Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I am your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Tom Antion. And here's a bit about Tom. He has never had a job. He's an internet multimillionaire guy next door and founder of the only licensed dedicated internet marketing school in the country. He's the subject of a Hollywood documentary, The American Entrepreneur, premiering this summer in 2022. And without further ado, we're going to get into small businesses. If you're eager to know how to make your hobbies legitimately tax deductible, as well as how to scale up, Tom is your guy. So without further ado, welcome Tom and Tion to GEMS Podcast. Hey, Genesis. Uh I didn't realize I was going to be on with someone so unique like you. And I did a little research and I want to tell you about it. Did you, did you realize that only one out of 479 baby girls have the name Genesis? No, I did not know that. <laughs> and it's, uh, I'll tell you what, it's, it's one out of 6,660 baby boys have the name Genesis too. So and so what that means is, is that if you met 10,000 people in your life, over the course of your life, uh, you would have a 99.996 probability of meeting at least one girl and a 53% chance of meeting one boy with the name Genesis. <laughs> so I checked you out. <laughs> that is definitely a cool, fun fact. And people, um, you'll be surprised. They don't even know how to say Genesis. One one person called me genius. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's not the worst thing <laughs> you can be called. No. <laughs> <laughs> if they maybe thought you were the band. I thought I was doing an interview with the band. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom, let's... Um, Peel back the onion layers here. Let I want to know how did you get your start in entrepreneurship? Because I know you've never had a job. And that's incredible because you don't find too many people that's never worked for somebody. Well, uh, my dad came on a, a, a cattle boat from Syria back in the early 1900s. And he became an entrepreneur. He put the first electric light bulb in Carnegie, Pennsylvania, at 10 years old. And at 13 years old, he had his own electrical contracting firm. <laughs> okay, so so uh, as I grew up, that's all I saw was entrepreneurship. And I was 10 years old doing side hustles. And uh, I sold my first used car at 15 years old. And I didn't even have a driver's permit. <laughs> and so, so I've always been entrepreneurial. And then... Uh, I ended up going to a college on a football scholarship. I went to a major college and I was reading a book uh, on uh, by William Nickerson called how I turned a thousand dollars into a million dollars in real estate. And I'm, I'm in college, um, you know, second, third year in college. And I said, oh, I could do that. And I could figure that out. And so uh, by the time I graduated college, I owned five apartment buildings and a hotel. <laughs> so, wow that's you know, impressive starting with nothing you know I wasn't any silver spoon I mean we had a nice family but uh there was no 
you know, super rich people, uh, you know, financing me. So, so uh, your knowledge uh, is very valuable in life, you know, so the more knowledge you can get, the more valuable you can be and make your, you know, uh, take care of your family and make a lot of money. So then question there, was it only your dad that was in entrepreneurship or was your mom involved in it as well? Or was she around? She was, well, remember, this is the old days. I'm, I'm so far over the hill. I can't remember going up the hill. John. <laughs> so, so you're talking to an old guy here. Uh, so she was a stay at home mom. And uh, I was the baby of six boys. And uh, many of them had entrepreneurial tendencies, but I was probably the most. And, um, you know, it was a small town, you know, we had 500 people in my hometown, still to this day is only 500 people. And we lived in the suburbs. So we lived in the sticks. So you had to make your way, there was no jobs, you know, being thrown around easy to get a job. So you uh, figured out how to how to do it yourself. Okay, wonderful. And I'm glad that, you know, your dad was a big influence on you because a lot of people don't have um, people in their families that are entrepreneurs. And the way that some people are brought up or a lot of people is like, oh, you go to school, you get a degree, you get a good job, and they teach you how to be an employee, but they never teach you how to be that successful business owner and how to step outside the box and really break those glass ceilings. So I'm so um, glad that you're here to educate the audience on some of the things that made you successful. And I want to segue into one of your popular um, topics have been how to make your hobbies legitimately tax deductible. And I find out a lot of people, they really don't know how to save money or how to cut corners legally when it comes to taxes. So can you walk us through what that looked like for you and how you help others do the same? Yeah, yeah. So we're, uh, you know, I'm based in the United States and but any, any uh, regular country has the same kind of rules. If you're in business, you can get tax deductions for of the things you you buy, but no country says you can't enjoy what you what business you're in, and so uh, there's loads of things with like for instance, you know, I I have the dubious distinction of being the largest person ever to create and star in a tennis training video. It's called Fatso Tennis Talk because <laughs> the uh, the people at my club are not. Uh, Rafael Nadal or Roger Federer it's all big fat butts like me trying to beat the younger guys you know so so uh but the tennis is expensive it's $200 for a racket and you got to have a PhD to pick the strings for the racket and the ball machines and all this stuff so I thought I'll create a uh, inexpensive website so you can create a world-class website nowadays WordPress site is what we use with a responsive theme responsive means it looks good on a cell phone and tablet for 150 bucks and then uh, i interviewed tennis coaches and i sold a tennis dvd and so the the things that i used along that way to make this blog on tennis are tax deductible so my hobby became tax deductible most families just pay through the nose for all their family interests and and their uh, kids' interest in soccer, and it all costs a lot of money. So let's say you, you're a soccer uh, mom or dad, or both, and you, um, you go and interview a bunch of high school soccer coaches, and you uh, make an ebook that costs absolutely nothing to create, a Word document converted to PDF 
and then convert it to Kindle costs nothing. And now uh, you can take off your the travel to your soccer games and the, the clothes and the balls and the nets and all the stuff that's involved in soccer. Same with golf or archery or anything, basically, that you're interested in as a hobby. Uh, that's the method. And you don't have to create a product you can do what's called an affiliate product. So someone else created the product and you just promote it on your, your tennis blog or your archery, whatever it is. And then if somebody buys it, you get a commission. Well, that's money, that's revenue coming in. And so that makes your stuff tax deductible. Now you got to bring in some money because after a while, the IRS will call it a hobby. So as long as you're legitimately bringing in money, nobody says you have to be good at it or make a lot of money, but you do have to bring in some money. But that's the basic method, and it's helped. I've helped thousands of uh, families uh, be able to enjoy their life better and have more money to do it because of this simple method. And thanks for sharing that simple method. I'm definitely going to have to try that. So if I take bits and pieces of my podcast and put it into an ebook, and then sell it then i get that passive income coming in yes you get the income from the book but that allows you to take off the expenses for doing the podcast so the the hosting and the you know all this the computer stuff you know at least a portion of it um you know like for instance my vehicles well they know that sort a lot of that is personal so we take a percentage of the vehicle off for for uh tax purposes which is perfectly legitimate because they know you're going to go to the grocery store and this and that but but uh as long as it's everything you do is reasonable you won't have any trouble with this stuff because it's the way it is it's pro-business in uh in in our country and most developed no real countries um, i don't want to say developing because that means like third world countries but but regular uh, uh countries in the west and the east and every place else is the same deal you can get a deduction a legitimate deductions for uh, the business expenses. So then question with the eBooks, um, when you're doing the eBooks, do you have to necessarily have that I, um, ISBN number for the eBook? And do you pay for that? You don't have to have an ISBN number at all. Uh, and in some cases, it's, it's a detriment to have it. You know, you think, oh, I look more legitimate if I have an ISBN number, but here's the deal. If you don't sell loads and loads of the books, then the uh, people, the, the major publishers can see how many books were sold under a certain ISBN number. And it looks like you're terrible. So if you wanted to get a big publisher, they would turn you down because you sold, Z, you know, it looks like you sold almost nothing of the, the, uh, the eBooks. Now, when you go to Amazon Kindle, they give you an ASIN number. Amazon standard information number. So you don't need an ISBN uh, for uh, Amazon Kindle. And I wouldn't waste my time on any other but Amazon Kindle because they have a program where they will give away, as long as you don't sell your ebook anywhere else, they will give away your book for uh, five days out of every 90. Now you say, well, how are you going to make any money that way? Well, uh, let me tell you, I have one ebook that's a free ebook, free. It's brought in, as of this morning, $3.68 million. And you say, well, that sounds like BS, Tom. Come on. Well, let me explain how that works, and then I'll tell you why it's worthwhile to deal with only Amazon. 
So the way it works is I just mentioned earlier, Genesis, a um, affiliate program where you recommend somebody else's product. And if somebody buys it, you get a commission. Okay. But the next level of that is called a residual affiliate program. So that means I recommend somebody's product or service. And as long as the person I recommended it to keeps using it, I keep getting paid. So I've had some things that I recommended 18 years ago, and I'm still getting paid today for it because they keep, you know, could be hosting or could be a shopping cart service or something that they use over and over and over. It could be a membership site, could be supplements, you know, uh, vitamins and stuff, whatever it is, I keep getting paid. So that's called a residual affiliate program. So I want to give that book away as much as possible because I teach them how to do something and they can't do it unless they go buy this tool that I'm recommending. And that's where the residual kicks in. So uh, I wrote this book in four hours at a layover at McCarran Airport in Las Vegas. And uh, every, like I said, so far it's brought in $3.68 million and every month from five to $15,000. I could have quit years ago and still had several hundred thousand dollars coming in. So this is uh, things that are available to you if somebody would just teach you and show, show them to you. But um, uh, it, that's the turn. And then the reason I want to use Amazon only is because they, they have way more reach than I'll ever have, you know, two, you know, hundreds of millions of customers a day. And they gave away 2,500 copies of this book in five days. I can't do that. And so each one of those per persons that got the book, any one of them, I could make six to $720 a year from. I don't want the 35 cents I'd get for the crappy book. I want the $600 a year on in perpetuity. So that's the basic method is a residual affiliate program. That's amazing. And that's impressive that you've made that amount of money. And with the residual um, affiliate program, do you have to... Um, subscribe to it? Do you have to be a certain level at Amazon in order for that to kick in? And the reason why I'm asking is for any authors out there listening, I'm with you. I'm an author as well. My book is titled Chocolate Drop in Corporate America from the Pit to the Palace. And I went through a publishing house because it was my first book. I didn't know any better, but then I have to do all the marketing for my book and she still gets a percentage of it. So if I wanted to take the second edition of my book and just, you know, chunk out the Kindle version using Amazon, like you mentioned, Tom, because I want to apply what we're what we're mm -hmm. um, talking about here so people kind of get it. So I'll use myself as an example. So if I want to take that book, um, drive it over to Amazon for the second edition as an e as an ebook, then I will start to get get paid for that and do you necessarily have to let your publisher know because there's some authors who want to break up with their publishers but they're legally binded by a contract but they may have just the hard copy but not the kindle not the kindle version and they want to maximize their reach but also you know keep some of the money in-house especially if they're doing all the work well that was the first question i was going to ask you what does your contract say because they might have you and most publishers know that most authors don't know what they're doing and they're going to write the contract all in their favor. And if you don't have an agent or an, a, a publishing attorney, then, and you sign it, 
you're stuck, you know, because they'll they'll sue you for it, and the, so you don't have the rights to it. So so you have to check your contract. So the the, the big lesson here is don't get into one of those contracts. Uh, if you do get into one, make sure it's fair for both people, and then that means usually you need an agent or a, at least an a um, a publishing attorney. Uh, but if you made an entirely different ebook, which is not that hard, uh, then then you you know better now not to do that. And I highly recommend a book. Um, a guy, the guy has passed away now, but it's every product I have has a piece of him in it. It's called the Self Publishing Manual by Dan Pointer, P O Y N T E R. And I, uh, he had like 20 editions out over the past 30 years, but the, even the latest edition will really open your eyes to what you need to do to publish your own book. And now a days it's, there's a little bit of expense, but with print on demand, you don't have to have a garage full of books unless you know, you can sell them at speaking engagements and so forth. You can, uh, uh, the book doesn't exist until somebody buys it, then they print it and ship it for you. So but uh, you got to be real careful with the legal end of everything. It's I, I call it like going to the bathroom. The job's not done until the paperwork is finished. <laughs> so. so definitely lots of learnings here. And yes, I have definitely learned my lesson, especially when you're walking into something new for the first time, do your due diligence. Before I did sign the contract, I did have a friend of mine that's an attorney look it over. But of course, like, you know, books aren't her specialty, but she knew right. enough to kind of guide me. But now that I'm thinking about really doing an ebook or a workbook to complement my book, I definitely wanted to ask that question because I think that it would bring some knowledge to our audience as well as our viewers, Tom. And you definitely have, you know, years of experience. Yeah, I've got 25 books out too, and only one major publisher. And that was the biggest pain in the neck of all. And, and what's crazy about it was, it, you know, I'm an inter internet guy. So I write an internet book. It was from the time I submitted it, it was 18 months till it hit the shelf. Well, you know, the kinds of changes that happen in 18 months online. So it was all, it was obsolete before it, <laughs> it went on sale, you know? So, so with, if I have just kept it in house, now they gave me a big advance, but that's hard to get nowadays. Uh, so uh, if I would have done it myself, it would have been out in a month. And, uh, and sold just as many and I'd have got all the money and, and they nickeled and dined me to death. They made me pay for the indexing. They made me pay for the graphics out of my, you know, out of my advance, you know? So, so, uh, that was, uh, I did it because I teach a lot of this stuff and I want to have the real experience, but I can't, uh, in good faith, unless you're a super celebrity, uh, suggest trying to get a major publisher you could have the book out by then and making money and get it all yourself uh, in the time it takes just to land a publisher and the publisher won't even want you unless you can prove you can sell twenty thousand books you know so, so you're better off doing it yourself absolutely so the lesson here for anyone going down the authorship path is to avoid publishers, learn how to self-publish and do it yourself. Tom mentioned a great book by Dan Pointer. So make sure you go out and grab that book. And now, um, Tom, I want to switch gears to kind of find out why do they dub you the guy next door? What does that mean to you? And what does that mean to your audience? Well, the, the guy next door is because if you walk down the street with me, you don't know my financial success 
I'm a guy that's going to open the door for you. Came from a small town. We uh, we had common sense. I I I swear I could take any farmer from the little town I grew up in and put him in any government position, and they'd make better decisions because they they got common sense, you know, and the, and they they understand consequences of making the wrong decision because you know the, the crops will fail. Um, so and basically, I'm just down to earth, and I I go out and work and cut wood with with tools. And my dad taught me how to do things. That's one thing about the younger generation; they can't do anything. They can't change a tire. They can't. They can't. And uh, um, so so being able to do stuff, I heard. I'm not sure about this because I'm way out of this generation. But I heard millennial women can't find guys to marry. Now they 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 find guys that um, to go shopping with or something, but the guys can't do anything, and the, there's no security out there. So the, all these millennial women are you know can't find husbands. To, so I don't know. Uh, what do I know about it? I'm not married <clears throat> myself. Uh, people ask me how come you're not married. I said I never made the same mistake once. <laughs> so I'll answer that for some. Um millennial women so I'm a millennial woman but my husband is not a millennial man so my husband uh, and I have a eight-year gap and you know we we dated for three for three years before we pulled the plug and decided to get married and I've always dated a little bit older um so one of the things that I did whenever I met my um husband now when we were dating it's like when we hit that three-year mark, I pretty much was like just bold with him. And I told him, boys shat and men build homes. Which one are you trying to do? Because by three years, you should already know. And so if he were on this live, he would tell you, she forced me to marry her. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I did not. I just gave you a <laughs> statement. And I told you, which one are you going to choose? Because I didn't want to waste time. Because I feel like you already spend enough time with somebody to know that if you want to solidify the relationship or et cetera. So for some of the millennial women, um, some of the problems I feel like they have is that some of the men that they're getting with, they're, you know, some of them settle and they try to make excuses for that, for that man, because they don't want to lose their relationship. But if you put some requirements and have your non-negotiables versus your negotiables I think it will cause that man to step up to the plate and it also depends on how he was raised because some of the mothers out here they baby their boys or whatnot mm -hmm. and then there are also some guys who come from you know a single parent household so they don't normally see both dynamics but I definitely can't speak to the full spectrum of that statement because I was fortunate to have both my mom and dad in my life up until recently. My dad passed in November mm. of 2020, but um, I had them all throughout my life. And, you know, I know how to change a tire somewhat with the help, <laughs> with the help of my dad and try <laughs> to be self-sufficient for myself. And plus I worked in a male dominated industry for 12 years, which was oil and gas. So you definitely oh, wow. have to have tough skin working with <laughs> oil and gas. Well, here's, here's why nobody asked me for relationship advice, Genesis. So I've been dating my girlfriend for 20 years. <laughs> and, you know, you got to get to know somebody. 
so and so i got the key to longevity though you you date him for a long time and then you live at least three hours away and you see him like clockwork every six months <laughs> that's why nobody asked me for relationship advice that is crazy now now that we got that little sidebar <laughs> out the way i want to um switch gears into your documentary that okay. hollywood is making on you the american entrepreneur how do you feel about being called the american entrepreneur and when you found out that there was going to be a documentary on tom antion <laughs> Were you blown away or what, what came to your mind? What was your excitement level like? Actually, the first thing that came to my mind is I thought you had to be dead to have a documentary. About you. <laughs> and I said, oh man, I'm, they must see something. I'm going to be dead soon. They want to get this on film. Um, I was, um, yeah, I was very surprised. Uh, I, the way it came about is the lady that got me starting in the professional speaking industry was her name was Dottie Walters. She was the first woman that was actually teaching sales techniques to sell to women this long time ago. And, uh, and she got me started in the speaking industry. And then when she passed away, I was asked to do her, uh, she called me her uh, right coast son. She lived in Glendora, California, Glendora, California. And so they asked me to speak at her memorial. And so I spoke there, and then I met this uh, a lady that was in the crowd who was a documentary producer in Hollywood and has 38, 40 now documentaries of all kinds of uh, you know, Olympic athletes and everybody. And I met her for two minutes, and that was it. Nice to meet you. How you doing? Uh, and then a couple years later, she apparently she started following me. And then uh, she approached me about it a couple years later, and um, and uh, I said, well, sure, I, I, I don't think I'm dead. I'm pinching myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, uh, sure. And she asked me for a bunch of pictures and, uh, and uh, information of people I've helped. And you know, so that was how it came about. And, uh, now, it's been in the works for several years because they keep telling me, uh, you know, that they're dealing with Netflix and they're trying to do this, that, and the other. And so um, I don't know for sure the date that's coming out, but uh, uh, hopefully this summer. So what are some of the things that we could um, learn more about in this documentary? Do you know? Um... Oh, yeah, I got okay. plenty of things. Yeah. Well, first of all, for those of you watching, they can see behind me, there's a a poster and there's a little baby and a pillow on it. So we were talking about education earlier. Um, so my dad only went to the second grade, but he was the smartest guy I ever knew. When I actually saw him sit down and read when he retired the entire world book encyclopedia. Now, a lot of the people listening are too young to even know that one exists, but it was 26 volumes of books plus the supplements. He read the whole thing. And so, um, when he uh, passed away, we had a, uh, I had a big seminar in Los Angeles and everybody signed the sign, you know, it was a uh, leadership event based on his teachings. And so one of the things uh, uh, he taught me was uh, to be, to give before you get. And this led to the biggest break in my entire career. So my dad taught me give before you get. So when I was reading that book in college about real estate, uh, it was telling me how to do it, and I bought the apartment buildings. But then I, I was charging more to my to the students than I was paying in rent. So I lived in somebody else's house, 
and the and at the end of the semester well the guy would come over and uh he'd say i gotta put some gutters on the house tom okay let me help i'd say let me help you and but you teach me what we're doing okay and so at the end of the semester this guy his name is frank biafora he said um, i want to talk to you tom and i'm thinking oh what what do we do he says in 25 years i have been renting students in this town not once ever ever has one of the kids offered to help me do it let alone uh, ask me uh, to teach them what i uh, was doing he said i own a hotel i want to retire and go to florida and i own a hotel about 20 minutes here in another town i want you to have it. And I said, whoa, whoa, yeah. he says yeah he says now if you don't know anything about real estate he says yeah if you can come up with the first mortgage i will hold back the second mortgage which means it's a no money down deal long before the book, no money down came out. And he says, I'll teach you to run it. And, uh, and so the first lesson is give before you get, I was given help and learning and I was appreciated for that by this guy coming offer me a hotel. And the second lesson is persistence. So I went to 50 different lending institutions because, you know, they were shooing me away like yeah you got a couple little apartments but a hotel yeah you're crazy get lost little kid you know that's what they're doing to me i'm still in college right and so uh, so took me 50 tries and i landed the first mortgage he held back the second mortgage i went down once a week to pick up the rent checks and make any minor repairs i was making sixty five thousand dollars a year just off of that building in the 70s this is in the 1970s so that's 150,000 today. And uh, the city ended up buying it for several hundred thousand. So I made about a half a million dollars, just because I was persistent. And I gave before I get so you can get breaks like crazy nowadays. And it, the bar is so low. Now, if you just give a little bit, you're way ahead of your competition. All right. So that's what I try to tell the youth out there. You know, the people with the money, the older people, you know, there's, they're kind of a little disgruntled with the younger entitled generation. And if you just rise above that, they'll give you every kind of break you can imagine. So that's my little lesson there, persistence and give before you get. That's amazing. And now um, as we wind down, Tom, I want you to leave the listeners as well as the viewers with either one or two gems. The first gem it could be something that either educates, inspires, and motivate, or the second one could be a, you know, a lifestyle gem, something to help them carry with them through the lifelong journey. Because I, I always believe that knowledge is power, and we should always be learning. Well, uh, so I'll tie those two together. If you would like to have what we call a lifestyle business that you can operate from anywhere and is extremely high profit, you've got to get into the digital product revolution. Uh, and it's not that it's new. I've been doing selling digital products for 22 years, uh, which is um, eBooks and online courses and so forth, because they're 97% profit. If you're halfway decent with your computer, it costs nothing to create and you can get as much money or more money than for regular printed products. So I love, I love, the people, the engineers that create all this technology. But if I, you're my student, I'm not putting you into that because a computer is maybe 5% profit, where an ebook is 97% profit with no risk. Nobody, if 
uh, nobody's gonna it's not gonna break down on people you know so so get into the digital revolution and then you can have any lifestyle you want you can you know you hear about the starbucks and the coffee shop millionaires and this this is real but you have to take the first step somebody said one time when you take the first step somehow the solutions appear and so uh, you know if i'm part of the solution great you're, you're part of the solution for sure and um, so digital marketing and create the lifestyle you want and don't be in traffic like my podcast is screw the commute which is you're going to be on uh, soon and uh, it's based on the fact i never had a job and my resume looks like kind of bs because you can live two or three lives if you're not stuck in traffic all day making other people rich so digital revolution and make your own lifestyle Amazing. And Tom, how can our listeners and viewers connect with you via your website? And where do you hang out on social media? Well, I, I heard one of your, um, your, your folks uh, on, I think they were talking about social media. So I'm, I look pitiful on social media because social media to me is a necessary evil to get people off of social media onto an email list. I have over 100,000 subscribers. And I can reach them. And if Mark Zuckerberg decides he doesn't like me, it's like, too bad. I don't care. I got 100,000 subscribers. So, uh, but I do have a gift for everybody. And uh, this is uh, mostly for business. But if you, uh, if you um, just use a computer, which everybody does, this will help you. It's called How to Automate Your Business. But it shows you all the little tips and tricks that are free and cheap that I use to handle 100,000 subscribers and 65,000 customers. So, it's called How to Automate Your Business. So you go to screwthecommute.com slash automate free, and we sell it for 27 bucks, but it's yours free because of Genesis being so unique. She's one out of 479 just in 2020. <laughs> Thank you so much. And all of your information will be in the show notes. Listeners and viewers, you just heard the guy next door, aka the American entrepreneur, Tom Antion. And make sure you connect with him. For those of you listening to the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We can be found on 40 plus platforms. And for our video content, follow us on YouTube at Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp for all things video content. And until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Remember, you can do anything you put your mind to. You are an asset, not a liability, and the world needs you to be authentically you because you were uniquely created for such a time as this, and no one else has your fingerprints, so why live in the shadows of somebody else when you could create your own imprints that will drive impacts for future generations to come? Ciao! Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P.
at gmail.com where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.